there's sort of two modes when I'm watching the YouTube golf stuff. One is like, I just want to see people hitting shots at golf courses I've either been to or I want to go to. And that scratches the itch when it's, you know, uh, 38 and drizzly out here. And then the other is just that, like, yeah, I, I, I genuinely sort of care about some of these people I've, I've never met now. And I want to watch. I just want to go along the ride with them. Welcome back to the Golfer's Journal podcast presented by Titleist, the number one ball on golf. My name's Tom Coyne. Thanks so much for joining us. Now, whether this be your golf on season or your golf off season, hope you're finding ways to enjoy your golf, to maybe improve, maybe via the index experiment, which you can, of course, access in your member, member locker on golfersjournal.com, or maybe it's by stocking up on a golf ball you can trust. The Titleist Pro V1 and Pro V1X, they just got better. Again, just ask Scotty Scheffler about that, who's gaming the all-new Pro V1 and having pretty good results with it. Now, the Pro V1, that's the best combination of distance, spin, and feel. Delivers a penetrating ball flight, while the Pro V1X flies higher, spins more in the short game, still giving you low spin on longer shots. So, go to Titleist.com and pick the right ball for you. Also, happy to share a quick update from the world of golfers' journal events. Just open the member guest at Glen Arvin in Georgia. This place looks absolutely stunning. Uh, Monday, May 8th. And it is this one's very cool. It's a chance to bring a friend. It's a member guest. Host a friend for 36 holes and some two-man play. So just a few spots remain on this one. So quick, get signed up for the event at Glen Arvin again, Monday, May 8th. And as the refrain goes, we are going back to Lancaster. 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 It's not Lancaster, by the way. Uh, the William Flynn Masterpiece, it was a huge hit last year, so it'll be another big draw this year. Our lottery opens for Lancaster on February 28th. Mark your calendars. It's a home game for me, and definitely a home game for Christian Hafer, so you'll see some of us there. Looking forward to that one. Now, today's guest, you might know him from such Golfer's Journal features as Above Average, about the gents from Chasing Scratch, or perhaps the four acts of Ben Garner, one of my personal all-time golfer's journal favorites or hopefully you had a chance to read his insightful take on our obsession with watching mediocre golf on youtube in golfer's journal 23 yes 23 it's out there we are thrilled to share it with you and if you can get past staring at that cover it's not easy i can it's what a thing of beauty uh i find myself just staring at it but if you can get the book open you will find another great story by today's guest charlie Warzel. As we've gotten to know Charlie at the Golfer's Journal, it became clear that he was a writer whose life and relatively new love affair with golf deserved its own story, its own coverage. So we invited him onto the pod to not to talk not just about his work for the Golfer's Journal, but his life as a newly obsessed golfer living on an island off the coast of Washington State. Now Charlie is a he's a pretty fascinating guy. He's also brilliant, so we dig in on some big ideas here that I think you'll find interesting when he's not writing for the Golfer's Journal. He's writing for The Atlantic and writing about technology. So I was relieved to find that he doesn't think that AI is coming for our jobs at the Golfer's Journal. And as I look here at the cover of 23, I'm inclined to believe him. You look great. Um, How are things in your part of the world? Tell us where you're coming from, because I think that's interesting right off the top. Yeah, so I live uh, I live out on an island uh, a little bit north of Seattle. Uh, it's called Lummy Island um, in Washington, and it is a lovely place. But the winters are dreary, like yeah. very very bleak. Mm. And you can play golf year round if you're okay with you know just damp ball plugging in the fairway kind of conditions. So uh, you know it's. It, it's an it's an amazing place to be, but I've I've done a lot of like brutal Midwest and you know like East Coast winters. I lived out in Montana. I'd say this is the hardest though. The gray really? is just like the gray is really tough for me. I get the seasonal affective thing is is very real. I kind of always downplayed it, but like got to get a lamp when you live out here. You know, something something to kind of. <laughs> Bring you need a grow. Yeah. <laughs> well, thankfully, your house is full of grow lamps. I've heard. 
Um, no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's a real thing. Having gone to school uh, in the Midwest where we would get this lake effect cloudiness for like, you know, five months and it would just, people were just depressed. Um, I won't, yeah, I won't say where, cause it's not a great ringing endorsement for, for the school. <laughs> we would have fun in the fall. And then, uh, you know, people, I had a roommate that didn't go to class for like three weeks. Um, and you, yeah, you know, it can you get just, away from you. It, it can, it can. Uh, but the, the seasonal thing is, is, is absolutely real. So if anyone's out there doubting it, um, well, we wish you the best of that. So is it, is there golf on the island? No, that's sadly. A, that's another issue. Sadly. Yeah, this life. has been, this has been difficult because like I moved out here around the same time I got the golf bug. And when you know, was that? Well, I mean, I had it, I, I've had numerous ones there. Yeah. I've been, I've uh, been infected numerous times in my life, but the, uh, the, <laughs> The the most in, enduring one and the most recent one was like a lot of people, 2020, right? Right. Need something to do, wanting to get outside. And for me, it was during this like, it was November 2020, you know, just really grim, rainy, you know, can't really leave your house. You know, the whole like the election stuff was happening and it was just it was just kind of like, you know, a dark, a dark moment. And my buddy said, like, let's let's go out. It was his birthday to this, you know, course, public course nearby. And I hadn't hit a golf club in 10 years. And I was super nervous. We went to the range. He loaned me his a bag just full of hybrids. Uh, it was it. Just hybrids <laughs> and a putter. And the first swing in 10 years, I just I pured it by chance. And it was like, okay, like we're off to the races. And from that moment on, I've just been like, if I can get anywhere near a golf course, I will like, I will do anything I can. You know, I'm just, I'm totally, I'm smitten beyond belief. I've seen it, man. We've played golf. I've seen you, (laughs) you, you, you are one, your improvement has been pretty dramatic your dedication to it is real, and yeah, you're, you're. I can, I can, I could sense the obsession, which is a, which is a great thing. It's and it's been fun. Part of that too then spills over into you writing for the Golfers Journal, right? As golf becomes more a part of your life, it's it's intertwined nicely uh, with us getting the chance to to work with you, which has been just an absolute treat. I know for for us editorially, and certainly for our listeners who have enjoyed uh, your stories. So what a bonus for us to get you know, a staff writer from the Atlantic writing for the golfer's journal. It's, it's, it's a win. It's a win, win. It is. I mean, it's a total win on my end. The already, you know, I mean, you guys sent me out to Hawaii. Um, I've yeah, gotten some pretty plum assignments here. Um, no, yeah, it is, it's been good. You've done pretty well. Yeah. The Hawaii, Hawaii for Ben Garner, uh, the chasing scratch story, uh, super fun. And, has turned into like some real, real friendships that I want to talk about today. I definitely yeah. want to dig in deeply on YouTube golf and gloriously ugly from golfers journal 23, not as glamorous an assignment as some of your others, but it's great to have you here because, you know, as we are thinking about this as, and on the on the podcast, we're inviting people in golf, around golf, interesting golf lives. And we don't get our writers on enough, uh, especially like yourself who are living an interesting golf life. I mean, your, your golf experience over the last two or three years is, is, is its own story or, or its own book, if you will. So, uh, so we're going to dig in on all of that today. Um, but you know, where I want to start though, like the chance again, don't always get a lot of writers on here. And I would, as a writer, I would like to indulge. I love to hear writer like origin stories. How did you yeah. get into doing this? What's the, what's the path? And we all know the school it starts at. It's funny. That's right. We were, that's right. When we were playing uh, at a chasing scratch event together, we discovered you had some Philadelphia roots, and that my daughter goes to your. She's in seventh grade. Where you went to? Did you go to four, just high school there, or I started in seventh grade? So okay, this yeah. is the Shipley School, just outside of Philadelphia. Um, where Charlie, you were the alumni of the year last year. Is that correct? <laughs> I think it was. It was. It might have been 2020 or is 2021. I can't. Sheesh. Those two years just blend. Um, That's heady stuff, as, man. 
it's uh that was great that was a that was a fun phone call to get i was bummed though they didn't have it in person because of you know all the all the uh oh. 2020 stuff so i didn't get to go back and see it. and it was like the year that my favorite uh teacher was retiring uh so it would have been it would have been really great but i um yeah i love i love shibley um it's great it, it it ties we'll do the the narrative thing where we tie this together which is yes my writer origin like the the true thing was this this teacher i had at shipley in 10th grade in english uh, i always thought i was an okay writer and i never spent as much time on writing stuff in school because it was just i could coast and i wrote some paper 10th grade or maybe it was 11th grade english and i got it back and i got a d and i was like really dog. thrown ouch and on it, it just said, come see me after. And my teacher, Miss DeLuca, she basically said, you're really good. And that you're phoning it in. And mm-hmm. I'm going to hold you to a higher standard than I hold most people in the class. And you're going to have to really work to get the grades you're used to. And I will help you. Like, I'm not, you know, this isn't meant to be a punishment. This is meant to, like, let's hone this. And so she asked me to come, you know, buy before every paper, all this stuff. And it was not to go in too deep, but that to me was the first time someone said like, hey, you're good at this. And also like, this is a craft. This is something you can nurture. And that was really the sort of the seed that always like, you know, that got planted that said like, maybe, you know, someone believes in you on this. So maybe you could do it someday. Um, and then, yeah, I, I got into like journalism media because I took a semester in Washington, DC in college and you had to get an internship and everyone went and did like a, you know, Capitol Hill work for your congressman type person. Mm -hmm. And that sounded boring to me. So I just scattershot applied to like weird jobs in Washington, DC, just strange things altogether. Um, I always, like, I thought think tanks were like, I didn't know what happened there. So I wanted to you know, check that out and I ended up getting, is there an actual tank? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Where did we like, is there water <laughs> is it some sort of, you know, aqueous situation. Um, and so, uh, anyway, I got, I landed this unbelievable gig at, uh, as an intern at meet the press, the NBC wow. show and learned that, oh, it's journalism allows you to be at the center of interesting things going on. Right. I'm, I'm younger. So this was like just before, um, you know, Obama got to Washington, there was a lot of like, you know, energy there. I liked having an excuse to be near the center of interesting big things. And, uh, and so I knew I I didn't like TV, but I loved that. And I knew I was good at writing. And so it was really kind of like a, can I try to find some way? And I just, like I started a blog that no one read, but I had it, you know, in the background. It was just that that sort of um, the best advice I got. I would email writers that I used to like. And one mm. writer who I really admired at the time was Will Leach, who started the site Deadspin. I emailed him out of the blue and I said, hey, any like I love what you do. Any advice? And he just said reps every day, write every day, no matter what you do whether it's for people or not for people free or not, whatever it is, just do it, just hone the craft. And so I did. And eventually one of those stupid blog posts was attracted the attention of someone uh, in New York at this magazine called Adweek advertising magazine. And from there, I just kind of like worked my way through, you know, anytime I spotted a cool opportunity um, to, you know, just do this thing, tell stories. So now you're at the Atlantic. They're full time. You're co- you're covering the technology beat. Is that is that how yeah? It basically, like the internet as like an excuse to write about culture broadly, right? So right. for me, I started writing about the internet full time in like 2009, and that a lot of like the coverage of all that stuff was really you know, talking about gadgets or talking about, you know, this cool thing. And for me, what was always interesting is like, how do these tools, how does, you know, like Facebook or Twitter or whatever the thing is, like, how does this change us? And I always used Mm -hmm. to view the internet 
quote unquote, as like this like black box, basically. And like you put something into it and whatever comes out on the side is like a sort of deformed, um, you know, different, sometimes better, sometimes way worse version of what you put in. And I thought that that was probably like, that's probably what was happening to us who are using this stuff. So that's sort of always been my lens is, you know, whatever it is, whether it's new or old, sort of talking about how the way that like we're all together, you know, networked in a billion different ways and optimized and pushed by, you know, algorithms or whatever, that has always been sort of like my project, I guess, is trying to explain that, but also just explain like what it what it's doing to us, whether it's good, whether it's bad, et cetera. What is it doing to us? And how does that, I mean, you, you wrote a, you wrote a very successful book with the part. Um, wait, was it with your wife? Yeah. That's what I thought. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I knew that. Um, it's a bold tell move. Us, tell, <laughs> right. <laughs> Indeed a bold <laughs> move. Tell us, were you married at the time? Yeah, that was a, that was actually Even it was a pandemic project. Truly, we were you couldn't. There weren't a lot of people. The pandemic was good see. for you, man. You wrote a bestseller and you took up golf. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's there. That was definitely like a a, a coping mechanism, right? Like there's yeah. there are good coping mechanisms and bad ones, and uh, like taking on projects tends to be uh, a, a useful way to spend my time. But yeah, we wrote a book about sort of the future of work going through this moment, going through the pandemic, going through. Um, technological change, you know, and and I think it was it was brought about. There are a lot of reasons we wrote it. One, we were experiencing it all, but the other is is simply like I looked up at one moment, you know, when every everything was shut down, and I tried to imagine like what would life have been like if you know we didn't have access to Zoom or whatever Hangouts or our phones and the internet and just, you know, the ability to have all to kind of get things done um, w- through all this technology. And, and sort of that led to this idea of like, what would work, you know, what should work look like, right? What should, what should we do when we have this opportunity for so many people to work, you know, in different, in different places um, mm-hmm. from where they want, like, what, what does your life look like? Right. When you can, and, and golf was a big, part of this for me because oh. I started to like orient my life and I was very like work focused, very like, you know, addicted to going in the office and all that didn't have a lot of hobbies, let hobbies like golf go to the wayside. And, you know, during that slowdown, that, that stoppage moment and that ability to, you know, go live where I wanted to go live and do these things. It was like, how can I reorient my day around things that matter to me? Right. And something that matters to me is, you know, getting out there, right? Having just being yeah. out in, in nature, or you know, just the, the sort of the clarity I can get in the middle of the day from going and hitting a bucket of balls, or you know, sitting around and just putting, and like you know, the way that like ideas can come to you. And it was this notion of like, what could the future of work look like if we, if everyone was able to sort of optimize their days, their time, their lives around things that matter to them, whether that's your kids, whether that's your hobby, et cetera. And so, yeah, we, you know, it's, it's interesting. I always start at like that, those same sort of like little points, right? Like what is the technology doing to us? What? And then it mm-hmm. just, it always branches out into a million things. What is the future of work? And the title of the book is? It's uh, out of office. It's the, I go. think it's the big problem and bigger promise of remote work. Um, Sold like hotcakes, so check it out. Um, the future of work, what does that look like? And, you know, are we going to play more golf or less? Let's getting to the important issue. I I mean, my my hope is that there's we're going to have a lot more time for for those things. I mean, obviously that's a, that's a perfect world, but I do think I, I do think there's, you know, there's the way I think about the pandemic, right? Is that it was for work. There was, it's this like college dorm room, you know, bong hit style control experiment, right? Like, you know, you're asking this question, you're like, what if everyone, you know, no one could go into the office, you know, that, that sort of thing. And like that (laughs) happened and we don't get to do that societally very often. Right. We just, we, we don't have that sort of ability to see what, you know, would happen with the hypothetical. And 
I think that in life, in sort of in society, when people get a kind of benefit, and I don't mean to like treat the, you know, the pandemic lightly or anything like that, but you get a benefit like flexibility, right? Like the ability to always be having lunch and dinner with your kids and never having to do the commute or whatever. Uh, I think it's really hard to roll those back societally, like when people get Mm -hmm. them, right? Um, You give people a taste of, you know, healthcare or whatever, like people are going to be really frustrated if, if you try to sort of roll those things back. And so I think that we kind of won't be able to claw that back. Like people saw you, you know, you could work from your home. You didn't have to go and see your colleagues all the time. And, you know, companies didn't crumble to the ground, right? Like people were still productive, stuff got done. And so I think we're broadly going to see you know, more of an understanding of that going forward. There's always going to be people and businesses and companies and things like that that, you know, need to be present uh, and work that needs to be done while you're present. But I think there's also this understanding of like how much time was wasted in some of mm-hmm. these environments and how much of this is just the performance of work versus, you know, what you actually need to do for work. And yeah. I think that's profound. It gives you that flexibility, right? Like if you if your day all of a sudden becomes a puzzle that you can, you know, crack open and put together in, you know, in different permutations that gives you the option to do something like, Hey, I'm going to go, you know, and hit balls or do this thing. Cause it matters to me. And it's like a way that I can, you know, get, get through my day and live a fuller life. That's something at the golfer's journal, we talk about a lot too, just our work methods in terms of efficiency, um, the way that, you know, spending sort of intense amounts of time on certain projects or tasks rather than just than just clocking in and and sort of yeah that sense of just performing work for work's sake or are you actually what are you accomplishing um and focusing on the latter a lot more um and focusing on the process uh you know behind you know whatever the project is versus just clocking in um yeah it's interesting how the pandemic certainly changed that and hopefully the upside is as you said more flexibility uh, because as we become more efficient and less wasted time, then there is this question too, though, that we were also looking at some, you know, with, with AI, right? Are we, are we going to have a lot of free time because we'll be completely obsolete as people? I'll just go play golf full time because I can just, I can go to this program and say, write a story about golf in Scotland. And it's not bad in the style. It's, I can say in the style yeah. of time and there's a couple things it picks up on and i'm like that's freaking me out um anyway just i'm curious your thoughts on yeah i i'm 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 not wildly worried like i am i'm not wildly worried of being replaced in that in that way and and for a lot of us i do think it will those types of things will take away a lot of busy work right i think they'll also create weird bureaucracy and busy work in ways we can't Right. Really understand Every step yet. forward with efficiency, we find some way to put more work around it somehow, it seems, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I, I think in terms of write a, you know, write a story about golf in the style of Tom Coyne, I think- Or Charlie Warzo. I think that those, those things, like, they are bloodless right now in a way, like the output. Um, I always find sure. that, so like on the internet, in the places I occupy, a lot of people are always sharing those- like, you know, AI art screenshots or the chat, the chat GPT screenshots of, you know, what we're describing there. And when I talk to people about them, one thing that they always say and that I experience myself is that people don't, uh, people don't pay much attention to the output, like what the machine churns out. What they actually are paying attention to is the input, right? The thing that the human being writes that they want, right? Because like a good prompt for one of these services like a really genius one that gives you a great output is actually like an act of real human creativity too, right? Mm. Because if I just Mm -hmm. say, you know, like a story about golf in the style of, you know, Tom Coyne or Charlie Warzel, that's one thing. But if I say, you know, like a story about golf, Tom Coyne, you know, written also like a Taylor Swift song or a Taylor Swift lyric or, you know, some weird type of thing. Like you're connecting high culture and low culture. And it's like the, the human brain is like at work there. And Mm -hmm. so I, that gives me a lot of hope that 
maybe these tools, what they actually can be. Some of them will be efficiency and productivity, and some of them will be probably a little dystopian. But hopefully what they can be is like, an analogy I'm thinking a lot about lately is like Adobe Photoshop for like writers, right? Like, you know, if you have like graphic designers or art artists, visual artists, photographers, people like that, like they don't see Adobe Photoshop as like putting them out of a job. It's this tool yeah. where they can take something that they've done and they can, you know, twist it around and manipulate it and make it, you know, into something better or different. And hopefully that's what these types of things will be for people like us, because I think that experience that we have, right, of going out and seeing the thing and feeling it and having, you know, that experience and that emotion, like that's what actually matters. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's ways that, you know, we can eliminate some of the busy work or whatever, that's great. But I think fundamentally, it's going to be really hard to replace that. I love that outlook. That's the right way to look at it. It's, it's, and and I want to believe it. And I do. And I don't sit around and ask the AI apps to write like me. My ego isn't that out of control. Um, I've just, like you said, friends have sent me like, hey, I asked it to write something like you. It's pretty good um, to show me what, what the computer, <laughs> basically to tell me that I'm replaceable. Yeah, right. Um, well, it is creepy though. They'll the point find- that they're making. And it is a little creepy because, you know, it found a couple little, like, I don't know, some stylistic quirks that I have that whether I like them or not, and it incorporated them. I was like, damn, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but think think yeah. about it this way. Think about it if if you if you read, you know, if you did that yourself once a week and you just read the output and you noticed those quirks or something and you didn't like them, and then you said to yourself, like, okay, I'm going to try to excise that that quirk from my writing here on out. Then it's like, that's, then you're using yep. it as a tool. Right. And it's like you're taking the agency back from it. I don't know. It's kind of how I'm trying 100%. to keep myself motivated. Exactly. It's like when I listen to this podcast again and or over the I would say, you know, with so many pauses, so many uhs and ums, you know, when, when it's pointed out to you, uh, you can use that in a positive way. And that's definitely what I took from from reading the AI. But let's get to, you know, some some pieces that definitely could are not bloodless at all, could not be produced by by AI. And those are the stories that you've written for the Golfer's Journal. Um, most don- notably, the most recent one in Golfer's Journal 23, which we hope people are enjoying uh, gloriously ugly, playing golf via YouTube. Tell us about, well, th- I guess that's sort of what the story is. It, it's self-explanatory, the golf that, that we consume on YouTube. But what was your interest in doing this and how did it go? So it came out of a conversation uh, with your colleague, uh, Casey Bannon. Yeah. We were just talking about, you know, golf and life in, in general. And he, being an incredibly good golfer in his own right, uh, was talking yes, about how... It's annoying. Yeah, yeah, right? Love it's you, awful. Casey. Um, <laughs> we were, he was talking about how he didn't, enjoy watching that right because he's better than a lot of these people who are you know who are going and making this this you know youtube content following me around whatever course right outside Um, of the bryant brothers he's better than all of them sorry and and yeah and so that prompted me to say oh i have the exact opposite experience i love it and he asked me why like why and that sort of you know my initial response was to say i don't actually know let's find out and that's how it became the story like like a lot of good stories just you know it's kind of a show your work explain why you feel a, a way you feel and mm-hmm. that led me into you know I, having the golf bug like i said you know a lot of times you're just if you can't be out there yourself you just want to be around the game in some way you want to experience it or if you know you're going to go to a you know a great place like my Disneyland is is banned in dunes about eight hours south of here. Uh, I go I get to go once a year, but in between, I sort of want my fix, right? So sometimes I'll watch people play Old Mac or or Trails or whatever. And um, anyhow, so I was like a casual sort of watcher of this, but then I did the deep dive for the piece and sort of ruined my life for a week. My my <laughs> wife went out of town, and I I you know I was a freelancer at that time. <laughs> And I just said to myself, all right, I'm going to let the algorithm 
do what it wants to do with me, you know? And, uh, and it was just, I mean, I watched so much awful, awful golf. Um, <laughs> like, like I, I, I thanks for I, the shout out, by the way, I was reading the story like, Oh shit, I'm in this. Um, the, the lead of the piece is about sort of like, I, at least I think it's the lead still, uh, like the, the rock bottom, which was that I fell asleep watching it. Oh like yeah. Watching YouTube. And then I woke up in like at like three in the morning with my laptop, like sitting on my stomach on my bed, just playing a video that had like, uh, like 10 views or something of some guy in Wisconsin, just like, you know, with his own homemade shot tracker. And he was like, he was like, you know, plus 23 on the seventh seventh hole or something. It was just like, it, I had really gone to like the bottom of the rabbit You reached hole. the bottom of the yeah. golf internet. Yes it's a great lead because it uh it does capture that feeling of uh of of like feeling like you're hitting rock bottom as if you're waking up with like another empty bottle or something uh and 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 all the all the regret that goes with it and how did i arrive here which is which is really funny going down that down that rabbit hole um what did you discover about well what's the what's the worst thing you saw and and what are the best things that you saw I mean, I think broadly speaking, um, the best stuff in my mind is, I mean, what the, the no laying up guys do right now, I think is sort of a bit of, um, they're no strangers to the golfer's journal or, or this podcast. No, they're great um, friends of the golfer's journal. I think it kind of transcends, you know, the, this, the genre, right. And that's like, the, it's like the, their most recent tourist sauce season is golf competition, and a travel show and also just, you know, about like the, the nature of, you know, being alive. Like they, it's truly, it's truly wonderful. Um, and I think they always do sort of that, the best job of sort of capturing that experience of, you know, being with people who you love doing this amazing thing and just the sort of the, you know, the, the glorious nature of what golf can be. Um, and then, I mean, the worst stuff, there's just so many people who like see that and then say like, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> and it's, it's totally fun. Like I'm, to I'm all for it. I'm not trying to shame anyone here, but sure. um, there's just like so much of that, you know, uh, the, the rock bottom, so to speak. And then, and then in between, I think, you know, what, what I notice is there's just kind of like a, like a YouTube golfer group for like every type of person, right? There's sort of like the, the bro crowd. There's like the Gen Z crowd. There's the, um, the sort of, you know, the more kind of like prankster style or like almost like, you know, Howard Sternish like element to it. There's all different kinds. And it's sort of like, depending on what your personality is and what you like out of golf, I think that there's a, uh, there really is like some, everyone's doing sort of the same thing, but there's some, mm -hmm. you know, version that you're going to click with. Yeah. And that's, I think that's definitely insightful about, you know, what no laying up is doing. And it's interesting. I think their storytelling is getting more compelling the farther it gets away from golf. And, yeah. um, as a, as a, you know, a golf writer myself, I've certainly, that's been the case from day one, you know, that, um, a lesson, you know, that I continue to remind myself of, but that, the farther that the stories can actually get away from whether you made birdie or bogey. Um, I mean, that's part of it. And golf is a great landscape on which to sort of lay a story for sure. Great setting, nemesis, protagonists, all that, all that stuff. Great challenges. It is all, it has all the sort of pieces and hardware that you need for storytelling. But at the end of the day, uh, the new, the, I think even the more recent no laying up stuff is uh, you're less, you're less concerned about making the putts and it's more about like, wow, what is this experience doing to them as people? And I think that sort of ties to what you do as a, as a technology writer as well, that when you're doing that, probably at your best, you're not probably not dealing with the, um, you know, coding and, and binary things and all yeah. that, that you're talking more about people, right? Stories are about people. At Absolutely. I think that's, that's totally right. And it's like, it's, I think it's a really good sort of uh, just lesson in how to do any kind of, I mean, I want to call it journalism or storytelling, 
content is sort of what it becomes when you push it into the internet realm, uh, the dreaded content word. Um, Yeah, I I think there's, I I think one way too that what I sort of ended up trying to say in the piece is that like, like anything, especially online and digitally, like you, you form these parasocial relationships with people, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I know a couple of the no laying up guys just, you know, a little bit. Um, but I've, I've actually, I've never met any of them in person. And yet, you know, listening to their podcast, watching all these series is like, I get invested in them as people, right? Or, you know, um, Barstool has a Breaking 90 series for, uh, you know, one of the, one of their golfers who's um, the least, you know, skilled of, of the bunch. And, you know, watching, like, I, I, I don't, religiously watch that content but as i did i sort of i got really invested in, in his journey right and and mm. in him as, sort of as a person and you can see in the comments the people who care deeply about this person they've never met in their journey and i think i think like the reason why the no laying up stuff feels so much sort of almost more profound or, or advanced as it gets further away from the score is just like, is that they've done such a good job developing themselves as, as like fully fledged, you know, three dimensional human beings. And you just care about their experience. You care about, you know, their experience together, but also just like the, um, you're really invested in these people. And I think that that's, that's truly like, that's what matters. Um, and that's sort of what I ended up, kind of you know coming away with there's there's sort of two modes when i'm watching the youtube golf stuff one is like i just want to see people hitting shots at golf courses i've either been to or i want to go to and that scratches the itch when it's you know uh, 38 and drizzly out here and then the other is just that like yeah i i i genuinely sort of care about some of these people i've i've never met now and i want to watch i just want to go along the ride with them Speaking very well said, and speaking of caring about people who you only know through YouTube or a podcast, how about, you know, this wonderful story that you wrote for the Golfer's Journal about our friends, Mike and Eli chasing mm-hmm. scratch. And I, and I would say even before that's the point, right? I would call them my friends. Now, since I've, I've met them and I, and, and there's there's a an actual connection where you could say these are our friends where I've shaken their hands. But if I hadn't, I would still call them my friends, right? Because you feel like you know them. Um, and so that connection, I, I think that you get with, you know, someone who feels real and genuine. Um, I think Mike and Eli are the perfect example of that. Probably the, the best example of that out there. Yeah, it's it's really. I mean, it's interesting on multiple levels. Like the the first is that I've always used writing, and you know this like my job as as a means to try to like selfishly have great experiences, meet either my heroes or people who I you know who I want to be around. Like I I like right. I think that is is like a benefit of the job. And it also, I, I think makes the work better, right? Like if you're just always adversarial or whatever, like enthusiasm is great in, in what we do, I think. And so listen, I listened to that, that podcast, Chase and Scratch podcast first. And I was like, I, I just want to be in a room with these guys. Right. Like I, <laughs> especially cause I think I identified that, uh, you know, they're, their journey is like, they do a great job documenting their journey and they're great storytellers and great people. But like the nucleus of that entire show is their friendship is, you know, and and using golf as a way to sort of preserve this, you know, post-college friendship. They don't live in the same place and yet they use this as, as, you know, the glue um, for all of that. And I wanted to, like I wanted to like live inside that friendship for like, at least like, you know, a couple of days or something, which is the, you know, the Genesis for going out there and spending time with them. And then, you know, I'm fortunate that like we've become really, really close. Um, and that's, that's totally wonderful. And as, you know, as I've sort of been a part of their journey more and their friendship and having my own with them, late last year they were you know sort of 
struggling to hit their goals with their, their, their golf goals and, you know, trying to decide like, are we going to continue to do this? Are we going to, and I think they felt this, this notion that they were disappointing everyone, right? Like here's another year, season five. We're not, you know, we're five handicaps. We're just not making the, the push to scratch. And it's really hard sometimes to get them to see that it's like, no, no, no. Like people just want to be a part of this, right? Like the journey is the journey and you only have so much control over the journey. But the thing that like, that we all are there for is you guys. And I think, I think, you know, they're such humble, kind, gracious people that I think they, uh, they can't like let themselves see that. But yeah, I mean, they're like the, the story idea or, you know, like the, the conceit is, is a great one. Um, and they do a wonderful job telling it, but like, it's, it's nothing without, you know, the two of them and the way that they are together. Like that's just the lightning in a bottle that like you can't replicate. It really is. It, it absolutely is. And since doing the story, I went down to the Velkern Invitational uh, this past summer and got to see up close what one figure out what the Velkern actually actually was um, and got to see the connections and got to, you know, uh, play some golf with you. But you'd in the meantime, you've gone to Ireland with them. Um, you know, take take me from like, okay, I'm doing a story, and then like these guys are like, I'm I'm BFs with these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it was truly like the nature of, of the golfer's journal piece was that I just spent a week with them traveling around in a car, right? right. Uh, around the country, meeting their fans. And that in its own, you know, right, is just a way to get close with anyone right um Mm -hmm. you know i i I can i can tell from your your podcasting with you know with bill murray like spending time in that car is the intimate time right um you just (laughs) kind of you know the 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 road uh kind of gets you that familiarity with somebody that you're Mm -hmm. not going to sort of build um you know in one-off settings um so i think you know we just had that experience and it was just it was it was great um and you know, they're guys who keep in touch. You know, I, I just think that they're very, um, they're very normal. Um, they don't really see yeah. themselves as, you know, as figures in the golf world or in anything. They just see themselves as, as, as some guys. Um, and so, you know, if I, I texted them a couple questions, they'd always text back. They, you know, it just, it happens organically. And then this opportunity to go to Ireland and play, um, with them and a bunch of their fans. I mean, I jumped at that because (laughs) why wouldn't you? Um, And we had that experience and yeah, it's evolved. It's evolved really naturally, but I think, I think to one extent too, it's the, the community around that, that podcast is such um, it's a bunch of, you know, very sort of uh, uh, aggressive, um, enjoyers, uh, sort of obsessive people <laughs> who are, who are all lovely. It's like, it self selects for great, for great people, but also they like anyone or anything that sort of enters that universe in a meaningful way, you become a character. Like, as I know, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I would, when I was there on that trip reporting, like it ended up as, you know, one of their podcast episodes and, I just sort of became a character and it sucks. It kind of like sucks you in, right? There's just like that enthusiasm is all transferred onto you and the things you do. Like they went out and bought my book. They signed up for the Atlantic. Like they're just, Mm -hmm. you know, great people. And so it's just a comfortable like universe to live in, you know? And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been one of the sort of joys of the last couple of years is just getting, uh, you know, getting to, it's tough to make new friends when you reach a certain age and it's cool to, you know, to have that. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And it is a cool thing. I mean, writing nonfiction, which I've certainly been doing for a while, but when your life gets tied up into the lives with the lives of the people you're writing about and the places, um, that's, that has this whole other way of enriching your life that, um, you know, you don't really count on when you're, 
pitching a story or, you know, grinding away on a draft. Um, but then you realize, oh, you know, now I do have, right. Like how the hell else am I? Well, golf, I guess, but how am I other, otherwise I'm not, how am I going to meet people? Well, in the broken tea, society in the discord server. That's one way, of course. There you go. But there are, you know, uh, to make those connections when you've written about somebody, um, and you've really come to understand them and, 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 and return spending that time with them. They've come to understand something about you. That's a pretty deep connection. So it's been cool to, you know, see that that happen for you. And it's, it's, it's certainly, um, it's, it's, it's very cool. They're chasing scratch. What are you chasing in your game? How is your game right now? And, and how has all this impacted you as golfer? Because as you said, 2020, you fall back in love with the game and you're playing pretty well. When I was down there, you certainly didn't feel like somebody had been playing golf for three, two years. You you caught you caught me a, on a on a good run. I was uh, I was a little <laughs> horrified to play. Uh, I think in that in that foursome, I think everyone's handicap added up to like like four, and then I was a fourteen point two. So you know, I was uh, I was I was a little anxious there, but no, you caught me at a good time. My game a, that is. That means you're going to win some money. That's what that means. Yeah, <laughs> I tend, I tend to, ha- like, I don't mean to sandbag it. It happens more often than I would like. <laughs> uh, I'm not like it. The game, I, I just, I do okay under pressure. I guess. Um, the game is, is it's tough. Um, it's tough living on this island. You know, um, I can really only get out like at most twice a week. Um which is great, but it's just, you know, I sort of being in the chasing scratch universe, I've, and, and, you know, uh, reading, you know, your, your quest, uh, in, in paper tiger. Like I, I sort of, I feel like I have a really good sense of the commitment that's necessary and sort of like, you know, what actual true devotion to, to this is. And, and that's, I mean, that's the thing I love most about, like, I actually, I mean, I love playing, but I love the grind. Like, I love it in in everything. Um, mm. I love playing guitar and practicing and like practicing scales, right? Like, wrote things like that. Like, I really do get to enjoy it. And that that sort of that thing of like, you know, trying to groove something in your swing and just like slow the one time you get it, and then you know, then it goes away. But then slowly but surely, it's happening with a little more consistency. Like that to me is joyful. Like I, I truly love that sort of, oh, it's, it's not just like a, a flash in the, you know, in the pan, like you, this is starting to happen. You're seeing the fruits of, of that work or like, you know, playing guitar and your fingers just start to move in the way that, you know, your brain is saying they need to move. And so this is a long winded way of me saying like, I know sort of what's involved and there's that constant frustration that I think so many people feel of like, I just can't give it the time that it deserves. Um, but yeah, I just, I love, I love practicing. I love, um, I love being out there. Like you describe it in your book, you know, those like those like late in the day and your hands are, you know, like, sore and exhausted and you're just like hitting you know bunker shot after bunker shot or whatever like i i love that feeling especially like yeah. you know, when everyone else like leaves the, the range and you're alone there you just mm. sort of that feeling of superiority where you're like yeah i'm like i'm grinding <laughs> like you can leave um i wish it would translate more in the game than it does but um i'm hoping i mean the the index ex- uh experiment the is that that's 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 my jam. So I, uh, I put myself in the mix there. Um, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm giving it a whirl. We're doing, we're doing lessons. We're doing, you know, we're doing the whole thing. We're gonna try to, what are you, tell me about, I was going to transition to that. Of course you beat me to it. What are your goals for the index experiment? I, I think it's, you know, I mean, you got to set, I like setting the ambitious goal. Um, I want to, I want to reach, even if it's 9.9, I want to reach single digits, um, nice. by, you know, like in a, in a calendar year, um, because also getting like, because I can get out in November and December and January, 
know, I think I think there's that possibility, but it's uh you know, I I tend to sort of get a get a swing thought or something like that or get, you know, get a sort of a way of um approaching the golf swing and then I can be a little bit quick to abandon it. So I think, you know, sticking with something and just, you know, fighting through it is uh, persevering through it is maybe hopefully helpful, but I don't know my whole, like one of my other goals alongside this for this, not just this year, but for going on is, is to try to figure out some way to like make that also like to document that, to do some kind of, you know, to use the word content around that. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I think that's a way that I motivate myself in general is, is, you know, putting myself out there, putting the thing out there, um, and, and sort of giving myself, you know, more of a, a reason to really stick to it. I know what that's about. I mean, when you you're do. saying this is going to be a story or you commit to it that way, it certainly raises the stakes and you find yourself committed in a whole new way to where you can actually say, this is my, you know, it's more than this thing I like to do. This is this thing I, I have to do. This is my job. This is whatever. You get to treat it like that, whether it is or not. And yeah. that's, that's pretty great, especially if you have an inclination to be, like you said, like you're to be a grinder, to love being the last person on the range, you know? Um, well, you've definitely found the right game as, as a grinder. Um, and what are you doing in, you know, in the off season without a golf course nearby? Are there things just for folks who are in the index experiment and might be frustrated as well uh, if they're not playing enough or they're sitting in a in a gray environment, um, what things yeah. are you doing to get better? Um, you know, just getting a, I, the little parts that you can work on. So I have, I have a buddy who has a, a garage and a little like net set up, uh, you know, a very sort of bare bones, you know, simulator thing, not fancy, but just trying to, um, trying to get swings in, right. Trying to get at bats, just really, uh, Getting your reps in, man. Getting the reps in. I mean, the the best golf I've I've ever played personally came at the end of that Ireland trip, and I think mm. the simple fact of it is I, I rarely ever play nine days in a row, right? And by mm-hmm. that ninth day, there's just sort of no. You're not standing over the ball saying like, "All right, what do I got?" You're just kind of like you stand up and you're hidden, right? And you've hit yeah. a lot of like you hit that shot three days ago, right? You sort of it doesn't have that same pressure and charge and you things are a little more grooved and familiar. And so that was an important lesson to me. That's just like, if I can go and I can just hit some balls and it's the same with putting, you know, I have a little, little mat, just, you know, just try to make it so that there's not more than, you know, 48 hours that go by where I'm not doing something. Right. And I think that that's, that's key for me at this point. And I think, you know, what I'm trying to do that maybe hopefully people can relate to is just like not try to get down on myself or over my skis on anything. Right. It's like, I'm not a professional. This is a hobby. It should be fun and you can be intentional about it, but like, you know, there's no reason to, you know, start, you know, flogging yourself for, uh, you know, for, if life gets in the way for a couple of days or something. So I think for sure, I think a lot of people get, at least people I encounter get too down on themselves. Right. And it's like, Hey man, like, you know, we're just, we're out here cause we love it. We should love it. Well, it's like the, you know, it's the same advice you got about writing. If you can do it every day and just do yeah. a little something every day to either get better or to pick up a golf club what a difference it makes. Cause yeah, if I go a week without putting, like I'll, the putter will feel weird in my hands, you know, and I'll be sort of like, wait, how do I do this again? Um, you know, even though you've been doing it since you were a kid or whatever. Uh, and so, and if I have like a big round or a match or something that I'm like looking forward to, I, I need to play like five days in a row. Cause it's rep. Yeah. It's all about, I mean, I guess there's other ways to, to, to get better, but I do, I'm the same. I have the same experience that, you know, at the end of a trip or at the end of a, a, a long golf binge, uh, I've usually figured something out, uh, and, and the golf is, and the golf is better. So yeah, play more golf and let's, there, uh, there was this dude in, in Ireland is one of the, the last days, um, that we played out there. 
uh, at the the island club Ooh, yeah. or the island course. The island um, that's outside Dublin. Lovely, which is an awesome place. And it was the only time when I was there that I played with a member. And this guy's name's Killian. He's an amazing guy. He's you know caddied there. He's been playing there for for thirty years. And he had this attitude about like he he was a great golfer, but he would spray his drive into, you know, some really gnarly position. He'd be in the heather on the side of a mound or something. And I would just I would look at it and be like, oh, man, that looks tough. And he was like, ah, who cares? It doesn't matter. And he would just step up. He wouldn't think about it. And he just hit it. And it was he was so great at getting out of trouble. And I, I was like, how do you how do you do that? And he said, oh, it's just a golf shot. Who cares? You know? And that that sort of mentality of I'm never really in trouble because what is trouble, right? And and it's just that kind of that mentality of uh, I don't know. It was like infectious. It was like the the way I aspire to be. But it also comes from he's like I'm out here, you know, five days a week. Like I, what's a golf shot when you you know can hit you know a hundred more in the next two days? And I think that's for me. Personally, that's like a great way to approach the game instead of, you know, that sort of being on on edge about every single lie, every single, you know, whatever. It's you're right. And it's, but it's hard not to when we put these we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We're trying yeah. to improve. We're trying to do X, Y and Z. We're chasing scratch. We're uh, and you can get really wrapped up in in putting all that pressure on on a golf shot or, or on a very, you know, very insignificant moment in the grand scheme of things. That's what, you know. Uh, one of the things I most love about traveling over to Ireland or Scotland is just uh, the perspective is a little bit, they just seem to have a longer view of things. Yeah. It's probably tied into their DNA. The countries are a lot older than ours and, uh, and history is much older than ours. And, and they kind of uh, sometimes have that, that really uh, valuable perspective. Someone who also had some, has been through some stuff and had some great perspective how about these transitions, Charlie? These segues are, are killer. I was going to I was going to mention it if you didn't. Uh, just really Damn. solid stuff. You know what you're it's doing my, over here. On my first rodeo. No. Uh it wouldn't be right if I let you go without talking just a bit about Mr. Ben Garner. You wrote a wonderful profile of Ben. Um and folks will remember the story about child uh Tiger's childhood rival uh who ultimately finds himself giving up golf. Um, struggling with anxiety and not being able to putt. And it's a fascinating story. Um, and then a really redemptive story. I think he's in such a great, you find him literally in such a great place in, in yeah. Hawaii, living on the side of a, of a mountain in this idyllic setting and hanging out with that was, I just wanted to ask you about that. The things that didn't make it into the story, maybe because yeah. they would just would have no reason to be in that story, but just the things that you saw and experienced because I, we were getting notes from, um, yourself and 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 um and Hafe, who was out there photographing and, yeah. and you know shooting it, and he was photographing it. No, he was actually photographing it, <laughs> and um, you know, saying like, "Hey, Bo Hostler's here," or like, <laughs> like just like random stuff. Like, what are they doing? Um, it sounded awesome. It got a little out of control. Um, <laughs> Tell me about it. That. Escalated very quickly. Um. He, that is one of those stories that I mean, I'll just be very honest. A lot of people have asked me like, oh, man, how did you how did you find this guy? And you guys found this guy. And I just like you kind of handed it to me, which I'm I, I have no um, if anyone wants to do that throughout my entire career. I love it. Right. Identify a great story and let me go and live it. Um, really still thankful for that. Um, anyhow, yeah, it, it, it was sort of pitched to me is like this guy's pretty interesting his backstory let's go see you know and i had no real conceptions you know i oh he lives in you know in hawaii um has this you know cool tra airstream trailer like i didn't know what to expect and you know we got there and he is a just like the most you know cool like kind of surfer mentality super laid back and he is you know um He's selling real estate um, in this wonderful, you know, community that sells a lot of very, you know, high priced homes to um, <laughs> celebrities and, and you know, um, entrepreneurs and whatever. Um, 
And so, you know, both through like his golf life, he has these people like Bo, you know, who are in his life. He was a mentor to Bo as like when he was eight years old, um, Ben would take him out on the course um, and sort of help him learn the game. Um, But then also through his other career, um, he's very close with, um, uh, I don't think he would mind me saying this because he caddies for him and stuff, uh, with Kelly Slater, the, the pro surfer and Rob Machado. Um, he's just got like this, this thing. Um, and then one of the people who's been in his life is, um, the quarterback, Alex Smith. And when Alex, um, got his almost life ending injury and Mm. decided to make his heroic comeback into football, um, that happened during the pandemic and they were in Hawaii together. And Ben was like a real um, uh, sort of behind the scenes supporter, right? Helped catch passes and, but really provide that emotional support because he had been through this as a, you know, incredibly talented athlete had been through this kind of free fall. Um, And yeah, I, I got to, you know, talk to Alex about that in part because when we were there, um, Ben turns to me on a Friday night and says, Hey, we're all going to go over to Alex Smith's house for game night. And we (laughs) played charades all night, guys, guys versus girls. Um, and I got to like, actually like, you know, be in a huddle with Alex Smith as he's like coaching this team of grown men, uh, to play charades. Um, but, you know, you can really sort of see the leadership qualities there. And he has a photographic memory, which is really helpful. Um, one of the most charismatic, nice people in the world. But uh, but Ben is like, he's the, he's the Dos Equis guy, right? He's the most interesting man in the world. Um, yeah. Super open. You know, not a lot of people can say that they've beaten Tiger Woods dozens of times, you know, straight up. Um, he has these just unbelievable stories that, come out and also this you know this great sort of narrative of and clarity from kind of having everything stripped away and rebuilding back up and um i think everyone can relate to the core part of his story which is that like he was good at a thing and it became his identity like everything right like he told me that you know shooting you know shooting a a 77 he's he's a nobody he's a dead man shooting a you know 64 he's the best person in the world like that would vary day to day his whole self-worth was based off of you know the scorecard sure and having that all stripped away and losing all these people who were kind of hangers on in his life only because he was so good and sort of building that back up there's this clarity and you don't get the chance as a person in life but also as a journalist to be around a lot of people like that who have that kind of self-assuredness that comes from all that hard won, you know, like mental, spiritual kind of work. And it was like, it was a wild experience getting to like, you know, hang out with celebrities and play golf, you know, with Alex Smith and all that kind of stuff. But what I'll really remember is going up to his Airstream trailer, you know, it's on this lava rock field overlooking the ocean, the sun's going down and he's just like, we just have this incredible profound heart to heart conversation about life and failure and, and moving on and, and what's really important, you know, friends, family, these types of things. And it's just, it's, it doesn't really matter all that stuff that he did or the people that are in his universe. And it's just like, those to me are the sort of the moments that when you, when you get them in the course of reporting, you just want to, you know, you just want to sort of transmit the reader into your brain to have that experience too, because that's, that's the, that's the stuff, right? It's, it's, it's golf is just a way for us as, as you've said many times eloquently, it's just a way for us to, you know, talk about the the real stuff and to, you know, and to experience and process the world. It's just this wonderful lens that we get to sort of use as a, as a cheat code to, you know, experience and feel and do all those things. And that was sort of like, that was a sort of a pure kind of uncut uh, version of that, that I got from him. So it was incredibly memorable. Those moments are priceless where you have that feeling of, I just hope, I just want to be a channel for this. Like, I don't want to, you know, or the material you're working with is not like, I don't have to dress it up. 
I don't have to make it funny. I don't have to make it, I don't have to spin this sentence into something profound. I just have to, I just have to get it on a piece of paper, you know, and that's just, and he was certainly that kind of character. Shout out to Brendan Thomas, I think is how we found Ben Garner, our publisher who runs in those surfing circles. Um, Cause it's one of my favorite, I think, what was the title? Who is Ben Garner? Um, just if you haven't remember. read it yet, go back and uh, go back and check it out in the golfer's journal and also check out, we, we did a pod with Ben. Um, that is one of my favorite pods as well. Uh, it's, it, it's tremendous to listen to and, and hear some of the stories you captured in his voice. Cause he has, he, he just has a lot of energy and, uh, yes, and it's just, it's just great. It was great to speak with him. So check that out as well. But Charlie, I can't thank you enough for the time. This was so much fun. Um, oh, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to playing some more golf with you. Hopefully soon, maybe at a golfer's journal event. Are we headed your near? Are we going? Well, I mean, we're going to got, the Northwest. You guys, you guys are you're somewhere around there. I, I, well, we're I was always, every time you were like nearby, I was somewhere different and this sure. summer i hope to be um but i'm i'm gonna uh i think i will i'll definitely i i have this story i i go i get a chance very frequently to go to the masters because my great uncle won pass badges patron badges for life and then he passed away like two weeks he waited like 25 years for these got the badges for life passed away two weeks later and wow. my great aunt, not a golf fan, uh, just so she, you know, lets us uh, take those. So I've I've had like a lot of wonderful experiences there. But I'm I'm going to be back, and I know that you cover it. So maybe I'll see you at Augusta. You will see me. You will see me at Augusta. Hopefully, Travis as well, and um, and and who else? And and who knows? And maybe we'll, we'll sneak out to Aiken or play some golf. That that's great. I'm glad to know you're, that you're going to be there, um, and I hope your your great aunt, um, God bless her, and may she keep getting those tickets for a very very long, a very long time. I guess it's probably not something you can pass on. It it is not. Um, okay. All but right. uh, but you know, however long I, I got, I got to be there in 2019 for Tiger. I've seen a lot of great stuff. So that uh, is awesome. I am I'm just lucky for the chance. Well, we're lucky to have you, Charlie, writing for us, and we can't wait to see what you come up with next. And uh, and here's to, to many more Charlie Warzel stories in the Golfer's Journal. Thanks so much for your time, my friend. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, we strongly encourage you to become a member of the Golfer's Journal, or if you already are, to share it with your friends. As a reader-supported publication, we couldn't do it without you. We also couldn't do it without the help of our partners, and they are Titleist, Scotty Cameron, Footjoy, Oakley, Link Soul, Links and Kings, Charles Schwab, and BMW. We'll see you next time on the Golfer's Journal podcast. Hold up. 